This is the Make Money Blogging Podcast, episode 22, with digital nomad wannabe founder, Sharon Goulet. In today's episode, I'm talking all about outsourcing. So hiring someone or someones to help you grow your blog. This is because one of the best ways to grow your business is to get help. Now, a common complaint I hear among bloggers is how they don't have enough time and how they wish there was a second them. Well, with outsourcing, you can have this. And sooner or later in your blogging journey, you want to dip your toes into the outsourcing pool. Now, this episode is for you if you haven't outsourced yet, but are thinking about it, or if you already do, but want to do it better. I'm cognizant that some of you listening will want to just think about those first baby steps into outsourcing, and others will want all the advanced tips I can share. So in today's episode, I'll be doing just this. I'll start by talking about why outsourcing is a step you should take, how to work out what to outsource, including working out the return on investment, because that's what you're making when you're outsourcing, an investment how to get started with outsourcing and advanced tips for outsourcing your whole content production line, which is what I do. I'll also share my experiences outsourcing as this is definitely an area I've found very challenging at times, especially as someone who can be quite a control freak. I have a lot to share with you today, so get ready for a really information-filled, action-packed episode. Welcome to the Make Money Blogging Podcast with digital nomad wannabe, Each week on this show, you'll find actionable tips and strategies for growing traffic and income from your blog with no fluff, so you can quit the day job and have more freedom to do what you love. From SEO to affiliate marketing to blogging business strategies, it's all here. Let's start with your host, digitalnomadwannabe.com founder, Sharon Gourlay. So today we're talking about outsourcing, and there are two aspects to outsourcing. One is to get rid of jobs you don't enjoy doing. And the other is to help grow your business beyond what you are capable of doing alone. I love using outsourcing for both, and I think both are important. But it's definitely not easy to get started with outsourcing, and there can be quite a big learning curve. I've been outsourcing for about five years now, which was really a late start. I should have done it a lot earlier, but the control freak in me just didn't want to let go. Um, And there's been times, you know, when it's been absolutely awesome and times when it's a lot of effort for little reward. And, you know, there was a time in there where I kind of gave up for a while. It meant too I wasn't outsourcing that entire time. I feel that I'm only really finally getting it right now. And that's been after it being my major focus for all of last year. It was my major goal last year to really master outsourcing. And it was going well for a while. Then at the end of the year, it felt like it fell apart a bit. But now I'm back with a better system that I believe will work a lot better. And I'm going to share all of that. Now, don't forget, you can find today's show notes at digitalnomadwannabe.com slash episode 22. And you can also find a link here so you can download an example VA, so a virtual assistant position description and job advertisement that I've used successfully. Now, if you enjoyed today's show, make sure you subscribe to the Make Money Blogging podcast and leave a review. This episode is sponsored by Build Blog Freedom Fast Track, my 10-week program that shows you the 20% of blogging you need to do to get 80% of the results step-by-step. Learn exactly how to use SEO to get traffic and then to monetize that traffic with affiliates. And this is exactly the process I have followed to grow all my sites. In this course, I give you all the traffic and income goals you can expect to achieve in the next year and then the strategies and steps you need to reach them. It's incredibly valuable. And once you have this process perfected, you can outsource the parts you don't like or don't have time for to help speed up your further success. So why outsource? Well, look, the reality is no matter how much you might feel like Superman or Superwoman, You can't do everything. You don't have infinite time. And even if you did, why would you actually want to? Now, I'm sure there's some elements of blogging you don't enjoy, so why not outsource those? But more importantly, when you are growing a business, is that once you have your strategy right, you know how to make money, you know how to be successful, you know how to help everyone that you're serving in your audience, 
then people are bringing people in to speed up that process, accelerate it, getting going better, smoother, doing, you know, everything better and having more success can help you hit your goals faster and be incredibly transformative. You know, so why not get to your goals faster and better? Why not make more of an impact on the world? Like I worked out a successful SEO and affiliate marketing strategy. So initially, and for more years than I really should have, I did it all myself. I had success for sure. I hit all my goals for sure. You know, it didn't stop me from doing that. And I did that while mostly treating blogging as a side hustle or part-time job. So yes, you can do it alone. But to take success further, I really had to get help. And while I could write for a couple of sites myself and do all the SEO, et cetera, you know, there's no way I could do it for the 13 sites I'm currently growing. Besides which, my actual goal for my business was to meet a life goal. You know, I didn't have a business just because I wanted a business. I had a business because I wanted a better life. And part of that was to work as little as I wanted while having time and location freedom. And outsourcing is really necessary for that, right? I have a better life when I'm not the one who has to do every task, especially the tasks that I do not enjoy. I've also found this last year, it's been more important than ever with lockdowns and no school and just, you know, I had months on end without really being able to work. And I know that could happen again. You know, coronavirus is far from over. So I need to make sure I've got great processes and people in place to keep my business moving forward when I can't be a part of it. So it's actually been kind of good for me in a way. And I want to say it was good. I really hated lockdown. And, and I know some of you are suffering in that right now. Uh, but at least it just showed me why it was just so important. And it really pushed me in the moments I did get to work. I just really put all my energy into getting my processes right and the right people in place. So that it could keep happening without me. And it helped me like remove some of my control freakiness. So let's talk now about how to work out what to outsource, including working out return and investment. Okay, so just remember whenever you're paying someone to do work on your business, you're making an investment in your business. So you want to make sure you're getting a return. Now, for me, initially, it was VA work, right? Basically uploading posts and editing to the format I like. For some of my post types, getting them exactly how I like can take at least a couple of hours. So this was a huge time saving for me. Then I moved on to writing work. You know, I would plan the articles. So the writer would get a detailed article plan with what keywords to use, how and where, so it would be exactly the way I wanted it. And really, initially, I just went off my gut to work this out. You know, I knew the articles make money. I didn't know how much. just assumed, you know, more would make more money. Um, so I figured it was worth outsourcing to get more. They didn't really put a number value on it or anything. And this is something I finally got much better at. Most of my outsourcing still is around content production, which I'll go through later in more detail. But now I work much smarter. You know, I've worked out what different types of articles cost me to reduce on average um, which includes all the time now. All I do now is get the main keyword. Someone else creates the article plan. Someone else writes it. Someone proofs read it. Someone gets it uploaded. So I know on average how much different types of articles cost to produce. Um, and then I also have worked out how much they earn on average. So I know whether they're worth producing or not. Now, it took me ages to actually just sit down and work this out because my brain kept coming up with reasons to be lazy and not work it out because it's not an exact science, right? Like, because you know, I'm working these things out on average because the reality is some articles just, they just never take off, right? They never get the rankings you think, so they don't really make anything. And then other articles do really well. So it was easy to sort of make excuses to myself not to work this out because it wouldn't be an exact science. Um, but, you know, that was really quite dumb of me. I'm annoyed how long it took for me to just sit there and work out all these things on average because it didn't even take very long, probably took an hour for two, several sites and article types. And it's really given me the confidence to really spend up more on my outsourcing in 2021. Now I know what my return on investment can be. So I did all of this by looking at certain types of articles and certain sites. You know, some earn more than others um, and, and sort of looking at it on an affiliate focus, you know, so like say my ones for Amazon, what they make on average, my ones um, 
for travel that are more like hotel or booking things, what they make on average. And to be fair for the travel one, I looked at what it was making in January last year rather than right now because it's just so crazy at the moment. Sometimes they make a little bit, but only a little bit at the best of times and sometimes not for obvious reasons. So it wasn't really useful to look at it right now. So I'd look at the articles of a certain type. I'd see how many of them were that they were at least three months old, you know, because I use SEO to get traffic. They need at least that before they start getting traffic generally. So I don't really count the first three months because it's kind of pointless. Um, And then I work out how much money they made in total. And then the average, the art, so all the articles together, how much they made, I know how many they are, and then I know how much um, the average article made per month. Like I said, I also calculated how much the article cost to produce on, on average, and that's lots of different parts in my case. I have different people doing different parts of the process. Um, but when I worked it all out, I found one type of article actually cost me about $448 to produce. So, I mean, it's not that cheap. Um, but they make about $108 a month after it's three months old. So this means I get my initial investment back just after seven months, so the three months and then just over four months to pay for it, and then it's all profit, okay? So this really helped me work out if certain activities are worth outsourcing or spending my own time on um, and whether they're not, right? Because like another article type I did, it made like $9 a month. It cost me about $250 to produce. You know, it just wasn't worth it. So do what you can to try to work out what different tasks in your blogging business are worth, okay? I know it can seem really hard, but just try and work out. And this will help you decide what to outsource and how much you can afford to pay. And if you realize a task isn't bringing in enough money to be worth outsourcing, then I also recommend you question why you are even doing it yourself. Okay, this is something I try to do regularly. I often find myself, especially if it's tasks I didn't really like, I'm like, oh, I should just outsource it. But then my brain will go, oh, but it's not worth outsourcing. You know, it's not worth paying for that. And then it's like, well, why am I doing it? You know, it can be a really good thing to question yourself, right? Because if I don't think it's worth paying for, why would I spend my own time doing it? Okay. I I just think that's um, a really good test of what should be on your task list or not as well. Now, when it comes to what I've outsourced, pretty much everything at one time or another, with the big exception being some of my DNW tasks, you know, no one but me is writing and speaking this podcast, for example, or my Facebook lives, or most of my course material was me. And whenever it wasn't me, it is stated in the material because sometimes I would bring in experts, right? But if you do the fast track, it is 100% me. Now, for my other sites, I try to stick to doing only the big picture things. So working out strategies, direction, and finding the main keywords. Everything else, I outsource as much as I can. Now, a good starting point for outsourcing is definitely content and virtual assistant work, like uploading posts, help with keyword research, or anything that is repetitive in what you do, and you could easily train someone else. I too, I mean, you do have the choice, obviously, to bring in experts that I have gaps that you're missing, but I tend to do the more the line that I'm the expert, I work it all out, I become the expert, and then I train other people how to do my process. Now, writing is my favorite thing to outsource, simply because it's not just incredibly time consuming, but I find it very energy draining too. You know, there's only so many articles I could write a week. So even if I had every moment available, there's only so many I could write, it would just really drain me. And it's something that would really stop my business growth if I didn't outsource. You know, I can't have those 13 sites if I'm not going to outsource. I also like to think about something my old coach told me regularly, and that is to look at where your energy drains are in your work. What tasks fill you with dread or just feel like energy is dripping out of you whenever you think about them? You know, I can feel that way about writing. It depends on the exact topic. Sometimes I can get really excited about it. I generally love writing the stuff for DNW or this podcast, for example. But there's a lot of topics where just just the idea of writing about it, like, kind of makes me want to vomit, you know? (laughs) So, I mean, that's obviously a good thing to outsource. 
But yeah, when I try and focus on energy drains, that can really help me come up with things that I should be outsourcing. So whenever I've looked at outsourcing or changing my outsourcing, I tend to start a list first, like over a couple of weeks and just write down tasks that I would like to outsource whenever I think of them. Um, And that can help me get started. What I do want to add here is that outsourcing is likely to be far more successful if you don't expect to hire someone that can do everything. Don't look for someone who will write your content, upload it, share it on social media, find the best keyword, grow your Pinterest account, et cetera, et cetera. If they really can do all of that well, they're probably going to cost a lot more than you can afford. But the bigger problem is it's likely to get overwhelming for them. Just think about how you feel because you're trying to do all those things, right? You're just going to create the same problem again and they're going to have less passion for it because it's not their, their project, you know? It's really much better to partition roles up, like get someone who just writes your posts, someone who just uploads your posts, someone who does social, et cetera. And over time, roles can grow, but don't expect everything day one. You know, I've had my main VA now for just about three years. And so over that time, she's done a lot of different things. So she does do quite a lot more variety now. Um, But just be careful about how you overload people to start with. I also think it's good to start off small for yourself if you're stressed about outsourcing. You know, get one aspect working before you add another. So maybe you just have someone write posts. You just have someone upload posts to start with. You know, just get something happening and feeling comfortable about it first. I also had a question from a DNW community member for this podcast about how to protect yourself when outsourcing. Well, first step is really to make sure your business is protected, period. And the big one here, I would say, if someone's going to work on your site, is to really make sure you have good backups. You know, so worst case, you go back to a backup. You know, if you've got them daily, you're not losing a ton of work and you want to check the work people are doing, especially at the beginning. You only want to give away the permissions you need to to get work done, but don't be afraid either. I just have talked to too many bloggers where they have a VA and they're too scared to even let them work on their site, right? And it's just really holding them back. You do have to trust people at some point. And also remember they're trusting you. You know, usually you pay in arrears and I would say every online freelancer I've ever talked to it's had horror stories about not getting paid. You know, I feel like every, the ones I deal with too, they're just always so grateful that I always just pay on time and for the work I said I'd pay for, which is really quite sad, you know. So they've probably had a lot of negative experiences too. They're trusting you. Um, so, you know, it does go both ways. You know, just really start slow. Grow what they have access to as you have more trust. Um, but, you know, sometimes you just got to bite the bullet, right? Another question I got from the DNW community in the Facebook group was about when to start outsourcing and whether it's a great idea to invest early on to get a head start or wait until your blog has income. Now, look, neither approach is wrong, but I would say you should have a clear idea of how actions generate income. You might be able to work out your exact ROI. I know that can be really tricky, but you should be like sure whatever they're doing is going to generate enough income to pay for it before paying someone to take action. Now, if you have tons of money to invest, then, of course, you could get experts in to tell you all of this. That's what businesses do in the real world, right? But for most of us, that's just not a possibility. But you do need a strategy. Now, if you do saying like the fast track course that teaches you that strategy, you could definitely start outsourcing parts of that before you're making money as you can have faith that it'll work, like more content. You could even hire other students who know exactly how to do it so you don't need to train them. So I guess to answer this, ideally, the earlier, the better, right? You can obviously see why investing earlier is going to be better for your business growth. But you do need to have faith that you have a winning strategy first. And I guess really the first thing I would always invest in when you're going to spend a bit more beyond like a key search keyword tool or something is really just to invest in yourself. You know, get that training, get your skills up. That's what I did, right? I made sure I knew what I was doing before I really invested in other people. So let's move on to how to get started with outsourcing. Now, you first need to clearly define what you want, like I just talked about. You know, write up a job description, in part to get it clear in your own mind and then a job advertisement. 
hey, obviously it'll be good for anyone you plan to hire, so they can be clear on what you're expecting, but it also will be clear to yourself what you're expecting and what you're trying to do. And my main advice is to keep things simple to start with, you know, not too many different things going on. Now work out a process you'll go through to hire someone before you start trying to hire as well. I always expect a written application unless I know the person and go back and forth with them until I'm satisfied. It's usually quite a few emails in there. I also like to see how quick they are to respond and how much effort they put into that application. My full-time VA, I actually primarily chose because she put a lot of effort into that application. Now, the vast majority of people do not. Like whenever people say it's hard to get work on on platforms like Outwork, I'm actually shocked because I just find that there's just no one quality applying for jobs most of the time. You just put a little bit of effort into the application, it's very easy to stand out, and that's what I want to see. Um, I always have a test task. So once I sort of get to that final stage, I'll have a test task. So if it's a writer, they'll, they might write like a couple of hotel reviews, right? Not like a whole article generally to start with. As a VA, they might upload a post. I pay for the test task, and it helps me work out if the person can follow instructions and do what I ask in a timely manner and really just how interested they are. I find A lot of the hiring process for me is just trying to find people that seem really interested in the job. Now, at this point, you should consider how much you want to pay and where you want to hire from. Now, these somewhat will go hand in hand. You know, going to a non-native English-speaking country, you know, a developing world can definitely lead to cheaper rates, but won't be ideal for some roles like writing. And that's where native English can be much more important. Now, if you want to hire locally, you may need to spend some time working out your legal obligations and getting set up tax-wise. And it can definitely be a good idea to talk to your accountant at some point during this journey, sooner rather than later. Now, when it comes to where, I've hired from many places, including my home country here in Australia. And part of what took me a long time to start outsourcing, actually, was this gut feel that it'd be safer and better to only hire people I could meet locally. But since that's a lot pricier and I knew I'd need to get legal advice to set up contracts and all of that and make sure I was doing the right thing tax-wise, super, just, you know, my head started to explode even just saying this. I'm like, yep, I can see why. I just kept putting it off instead of getting started. Now, I really don't care where people are that work for me, although I do find some crossover in time zones make it a lot easier for roles that need to interact with the person. Like, I mean, no one that works for me really needs to interact with me that often. But say, like, my main beloved VA, you know, she's in the Philippines and I find that really handy. You know, it's only a two to three hour time difference depending on the time of year, which is fine. So we always have some crossover every day. The thing I wanted to do urgently, I know it's going to get on. She's going to be able to get onto it while I'm still awake and things like that. So we can have a bit of back and forth. Now, when I work with people in Europe, you know, it's much trickier. So it wouldn't work for me to have a VA in Europe. I need them where I can talk to them a bit more easily. You know, I do have a writer and my DNW community manager in England, and that's fine for those roles. Um, but it's worth just thinking through because even if you don't need to talk much, like I said, maybe it's not like we talk that often really, but I do find it sort of integral. I'd be stressed at times if I couldn't get a response a bit quicker than what I can when I'm dealing with someone in like the East Coast of America or Europe where it's a bit trickier with our time zone. Now, there's definitely price advantages to hiring people in developing countries. So for roles that don't need native English, it's worth considering for sure. I've also found for VA work that I've had much more successful experience with my VAs in the Philippines than when I've hired in countries like Australia and the US because I've just found it easy to find people who want to be VAs. You know, they take it seriously. It's not a side gig. It's what they want to be doing. You know, it's their career. And it's really good to hire people who feel that way. You know, I know a lot of bloggers hire other bloggers to be their VAs, but what you've got to remember is that they actually want to be a blogger and not a VA. Okay, so it's like a different mindset that they go into it for. And I think then you tend to like have people who don't take it as seriously and that just leads to more problems and they're likely to leave you, you know. 
Now, when it comes to what to pay, this is definitely tricky as it really could be anything. There is such a massive spectrum of what you can pay online. I tend to look at average wages in countries I'm hiring. I definitely want to do more than average wage, especially if it's not a full-time job, if you're doing it contracting and you're not paying leave entitlements and things like that, obviously you should be paying more. I look at what similar work is being paid. You can easily see stuff like that in at work. I find if I'm posting an advertisement, I'm better off stating, stating a maximum wage and getting them to quote, you know, say you have to say an amount up to that. Or otherwise I tend to get the same quality of people responding, but higher amounts quoted. Now for my full-time VA role, so I have one full-time worker at the moment who's my VA. I had a sliding wage, so less for the first three months and an agreed amount for a good performance review. And it went up at that point. Uh, if I hire from students or based on a referral, I pay what they say their rate is, assuming I'm happy to pay it, of course. Uh, I've never really found anyone quotes anything ridiculous though. Obviously any amount that I'm going to pay has to be worth the work I'll get to the per- from the person, you know, so I know I'll get a return on investment. And also depends, you know, how much you pay on whether they have skills or not. And usually I train my team members to do things my way rather than worry about them already having skills. So, you know, remember if you want to hire someone highly skilled in something, you're going to be paying a lot more. Like I hear a lot of people in the DNW community talk about outsourcing SEO when they're people who don't want to learn it. You know, that is a really highly regarded skill, right? So if someone's really good at SEO, they are going to cost a lot. Whereas if you can learn the skill, um, you also remove the risk that you're hiring someone that doesn't really know what they're doing. You can train other people to do it. It can become a lot cheaper. You know, for me too, I mean, it's lucky, right? When I hire a new VA, I put them into my SEO training. They actually go through my fast track course and learn my stuff that way too, which is really handy for me. But, you know, you can do similar training for your staff or you could pay for them to do the fast track, right? Or some other training. That can be a better way to go than hiring someone highly skilled if you want to save some money. And also just, I mean, I mainly do it not so much for saving the money, but just so I have people doing it exactly my way, right? They're learning it exactly my way. And obviously it's an investment in their time too. I pay them for the training. You should also get clear when you want people to work. You know, I started off being very flexible and I kept learning again and again to be really careful with this. I think people are much more likely to deliver what they promise if they have strict deadlines and set hours to work. And it leads to less stress for me. Okay, I just hate not knowing what's going on. So I need a system where they can update me regularly and I know exactly what's going on and when they're going to be working. I also ran into trouble late last year when I was flexible about how much of someone's role I let them outsource. And it led to more work and headaches for me and that person annoyed when the person they outsourced to let them down. It also led to problems with other people in my team as they weren't getting their expectations met in terms of work level. And it just became a mess that wouldn't have been there had I not been so flexible. Okay, so I I do just kind of, it's like I want to be flexible and a good boss, but you have to be just careful what you are flexible about. Okay, I've learned from this and I try to be very clear well in advance now of how much work I have for everybody and what I expect of them and just having everything set in stone when it comes to those types of things. Now, once you are clear on all of this, it's time to advertise. And I've used Upwork, onlinejobs.ph, the DNW community. And I've got recommendations from blogging friends. I've also hired from within my family, which is great if you have the opportunity. You know, my brother has worked on and off for me for many years now. Now, a work I can find very painful. There is a lack of people on there serious about doing good ongoing work in my experience. Even getting many applicants that read a job description is tricky. Like I said before, it's like even getting good applications is hard. Now, I find it best for short-term one-off tasks. 
I've had one great writer on there for a while, but I've always found writers just a little bit say good initially and then their quality went right downhill and it didn't really matter how much I paid, it just seemed to be a problem. Now, onlinejobs.ph is a platform just for hiring Filipinos and I found that to be really good. It does have some of the same problems as Upwork, but I find they're far more serious people and anyone I've hired from that, they've stayed with me for a lot longer and it's just been a lot less problematic. You pay an upfront fee to use that system, but it's quite cheap. I don't remember off the top of my head. But then you don't pay anything ongoing. So there isn't the huge cut there is with Upwork, like because that's part of the problem too, right? Is Upwork just takes so much of the money that you're paying other people that you've got to pay a lot more. I've also advertised in the DNW community, and you can do this in the DNW Facebook your Facebook group yourself as well. I also hire ex students when I can for writing work and the DNW community manager role, which has worked very well for me. It's an added bonus I never thought of when creating my courses, but it means that people are perfectly trained in my process. The downside of this is what I sort of talked about before is that people do want to be professional bloggers rather than working for me, but it's great for a while. And if it's writing work and I don't have to train them at all, I don't, it doesn't really matter if they just work for me for six months um, because I didn't really lose any investment in time in them. I've also used some different sites like Textbroker to get written content. So it's like a platform and there's a whole lot of writers. You just put your requirements on there and, you know, someone writes it. Now, it's fine with a bit of effort to like really make sure you get some good people, but it's relatively expensive. And what I really don't like is that you have to use their systems and can't get the writers to work into your own processes. Like I have a, you know, a a set process for how I tend to work with writers and everyone in my team, like using Google Docs, for example. Now, if I go into text broker or other systems like that, I usually am not allowed to use Google Docs. It has to all be through their system. They want to make sure there's no way you communicate directly with the person so that you can, they can keep getting their cut. And it just means that I have to use their process instead of mine, which leads to a lot more work, you know, and adds more time. And I find it frustrating. So I much prefer hiring people directly so everyone in my team can be using the same process. Now, once you have people, it's really important you give them clear instructions. Don't think you hire people and then they just do what you want magically and everything is great. No one can read what's in your mind and how you like things being done, right? Even if you think what you do is stock standard, people are going to have done things different ways. Now, it is a lot of work training people. So try to get repeatable processes in place from the beginning with clear instructions. Okay, so everything you train someone when you first hire your first person, make sure it's documented so when you hire the next person, it's already there. And you can also get people to write these instructions, right? As you're training them, if you're not writing them, get them to write it. And then you check it and make sure it's okay. But do something like that. You'll be really thankful that you did later. You know, I have um, Google Docs that I use with instructions, but most of mine are actually in like a company wiki where we have everything. Um, But yeah, you can just keep it more relaxed with Google Docs or whatever, but do something. I also use a lot of videos with screen share because I find that can be really great for just communicating and people really understanding what I mean and how to do things. So I recommend that as well. Now, hopefully what I've said so far gives you a starting point. And now I'm going to move on to advanced tips for outsourcing your whole content production line, which is basically what I'm doing now. Now, I've recently switched to using ClickUp, which is a project management tool for managing this, but it was in a Google Sheet until now, and that worked fine. There was like a tab for each team member's name and their task would get moved into that. Now, what's good about ClickUp is it means that it stopped, I stopped needing to manually reassign tasks between the different team members, or mostly it was actually the person in my editor role doing that. And it also keeps track of a lot of time data for me, which will give me a lot of insights, and I'll be able to be really clear on what articles are costing me. Now, ClickUp is only costing me $9 a month, so I think it's a pretty good win if I'm losing, having to do a lot of admin overhead. But whatever system you want to use, you can do what I do, right? You could just do this in a Google Sheet. 
So at a top level, I plan how much I want to spend and the amount of content I want, right? So how much am I willing to invest in the business right now? How much content do I think I can do um, without hiring a lot more people as well? Because I already have, um, I think, eight people working for me at the moment every month. Like there's also some ad hoc contractors I use, but, you know, so eight is kind of enough <laughs> for the moment. So I don't want to go over what I can get them to do. Now, I plan at least three months content at a time. I find all the main keywords and I'm too much of a control freak to outsource this part. So it is the one part I do. So I enjoy doing it and I think I'm really good at it. So I don't see the need. Okay, if I'm enjoying it, I'm good at it. And it, it's not even that time consuming, right? Like I might spend a day doing that every quarter. It's not that huge a deal. And then I assign the main keywords to what month I see the content being written in. Now, I do put all of these in a spreadsheet currently just for me, but I did used to have someone who I called my editor who would do everything this point onwards for me. And I'll go back to that again sometime soon. But really, all I have to do with that at the moment is about mid the month before. So if I want the content written in February, in mid-January, I'll go into ClickUp and I create a job for each piece of content. So each job is an article and I just call the job the main keyword, right? And that's all I do. Then my main VA creates an article plan and keyword list for each one. And I have a whole lot of documentation on exactly how to do this that she follows. I have article templates, right? So each type of article has a template and instructions on how she should change that based on the keywords. So it's all set for the writers and their templates already have instructions for the writers in them. So it's quite a good process. It's one of those things where I'm like, I should have even done it when it was even just me working on this stuff. It would have made life a lot easier if I had these set templates. So in the ClickUp job, she then adds links to the article plan and the keyword list. And then it goes into the pile for the writers. Now, at the start of these months, these are either assigned to writers or it's when I have specific ones I want to do it, or they put in a pool where the writers can see them and pick which ones they want to write. They have instructions to follow and how to write the article, and then they mark the job as needing review when they've finished. Now, someone else, you know, sees that the, the article has become needing review, and they proofread the article. And when this is done, they move into the next status, which automatically assigns them to my, to my other VA who has the responsibility of uploading posts. She uploads them, mark the job as being ready for publishing. My main VA checks them, fixes any problems and publishes them. Okay, so this means I do have someone who creates article plans, someone who writes the articles, someone to proofread, someone to upload and someone to publish. Now the same person could do multiple parts of this, but mostly I have different people in each role. Like I create, call the creating article plans and uploading VA roles, although I have different VAs doing them currently. The publishing post is my chief VA and the writers are writers. There's also an editor role for proofreading and double-checking the article plans. I also call myself the content master since I have the responsibility of working out what the content will be at a high level. Now, like I said, we have a company wiki with clear instructions for each step of the process. Um, we have templates for everything that are in Google Docs and I empower people to do their step and pass it on so no one really needs to manage anything. I just check occasionally that it's all happening how I would expect and nothing is getting stuck. Now, when I was using the Google Sheet, I did have someone else doing that role and, and she was moving it across in the Google Sheets. But now with the ClickUp and everything just moving, um, it flows a lot better. But I will have someone who even just checks nothing's getting stuck for me again in February as I really want myself out of this process as much as possible. Now, I do sometimes write articles myself in which case I'm assigned the writer and others can still do the other parts. I think it's really useful to have other people proofread people's work, whether it's me or someone else. I don't have DNW in there, but every other side of mine is in there. Now, while the spreadsheet system I was using was fine, like I said, I had to use someone to move around the jobs and they would get stressed at times when people weren't doing things in a timely manner. 
And what I like about my new system, I hope I remove this problem because I didn't want that person getting stressed. I never meant for them to be responsible for people's work. Um, And this means I remove anyone being responsible for anyone other than their own work. I also have multiple people doing some of the tasks. So someone is slow, someone else is there to do it. And mostly things should still keep moving along. And it's also quite easy to see if things are getting stuck and someone's not really doing anything because all the articles will get stuck there. You know, you'll just see they have a whole lot of jobs. In addition to this, I do outsource other work. My main VA does a lot of random tasks for me from backing out my email list to checking my affiliate links to work to adding people to my Facebook groups. I also have my DNW community manager who helps with my emails and Facebook groups and any DNW help I need. I do outsource editing of this podcast on Fiverr and I also occasionally outsource tasks like logo design. So like I said, I have about eight people working for me that do work every month. When it comes to payment, I pay via TransferWise, PayPal or bank transfer if they're Australians. Mostly I pay in USD. Obviously, if I'm paying with bank transfer here, it's in AUD. And I also have wages set in Filipino pesos for my main VA. For her as well, because she is a full-time staff member, you know, I give her Filipino-like working conditions, you know, that she gets all her local public holidays off, which I can tell you is a lot. (laughs) Um, Sick and annual leave according to their rules. She gets a 13-month pay, so in the Philippines it's normal to get a whole extra month's pay in December. And I even gave her parental leave entitlements like she would get there and which were like much better than anything you're entitled to here, right? But I chose to keep to her local country entitlements when I hired her and I always do that whether or not it's beneficial to me. I hope all of this gives a better work environment. I always want to think of myself as an employer of choice. You know, I'm reasonable. I pay on time. I give entitlements and pay rises where it makes sense. You know, only one person who works for me is full-time. Don't feel like you always have to have full-time hires and a range of contractors can work much better so you can split up in a way, work in a way that's much more manageable. But I do really love having a full-time VA though and I do recommend you get one when you can. It's great to have someone, you know, who always puts your work first, you know, that the growth of your business is just as important to them as to you, you know, and it does lead to a better relationship in my opinion. I've also had my brother work full-time for me in the past and it was a similar situation. So there is definitely benefits to full-time when you can. Plus, it can be surprisingly more affordable than casual workers. You know, part of why I went full-time with my VA before I felt I was ready was that I did know I was ready for 20 hours a week and paying that at a casual rate, it wasn't really much different than paying full-time except for if you ignore all the benefits and the time off and stuff. Um, But, you know, for me, it just made a lot more sense. So that's it. I've really shed everything I can think of about outsourcing. And of course, I'm always happy to answer any questions in the DNW Facebook group at dnwcommunity.com or in the comments of the show notes, which you can find at digitalnomadwannabe.com slash episode 22. And remember, if you go there, you can also download a position description and job advertisement for a virtual assistant that you can use as a base for your own job. So make sure you subscribe to this channel because next episode, I'm going to be talking all about how to go from blogging being a hobby to being a business, as I know many people struggle making this transition in the DNW community. I look forward to chatting with you then. Thanks for listening to Make Money Blogging with Digital Nomad Wannabe. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast for more actionable tips and strategies for growing traffic and income for your blog so you can build a blogging business you love. Don't forget to leave a review so we can continue to bring you the best content. See you next episode.